Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. How are you doing, Heather? I'm doing great, and we have some guests today. We do have guests. Who are our guests, and what are we talking about? Well, our guests are um, from Iowa, and it's Katie, and you'll have to tell me how you say your name, Katie. Katie Tilosani. Tilosani, did I get it? Tilosani, yep. All right, and we also have Don Clark, and they are both here with us because we're super excited. They have set up a brand new school called Purple Bloom School in Iowa. And I think this is probably the achievement of a dream of a number of years. Is that right? Yeah. So can you tell us, um, and I got an email from Katie the other day, and she said, you know, I've decided to um, use some of the it's okay not to share philosophy for the school. So I thought it would be great to have Katie. Don's a teacher, and Katie's a founder and director. Um, to have them both with us just to share with people who are feeling as if, wow, how do I put some of these, it's okay not to share ideas into action, and what does it look like when they're in a school, and maybe somebody listening is thinking of starting a school themselves someday, so we're looking for inspiration and uh, first-hand accounts and that kind of thing. Uh, so we're super glad you're with us, and can you just start off by explaining how the idea of the school came about and, and how you decided to... Um, you know, ground it in a certain philosophy. Sure. Well, um, I've been doing in-home child care for 14 years. And so it started out, I was in college, and um, I started taking care of children and then realized that it was going pretty well and I needed some more training. So I took several classes and got some more education in just early childhood. And then um, as I had my own children, I got married and had my own children, um, I switched it to in-home preschool, and so it used to be called Miss Kitty's Child Care, and then I was trying to think of a name for our preschool, and our family farm is Purple Bloom Farm, so the name Purple Bloom School just fell out of that, and um, then we did our in-home preschool for about five years, and then we had talked about someday doing the school, and then, you know, long story short, I just had a feeling in my gut this had to happen. It had to be done. We've got to have more places for respectful education. And so the school happened in a matter of a couple of months. And so we moved in our building, and we all kind of looked at each other and said, okay, what do we do now? And we just did it. Every day we did something to get it more and more ready. And um, I had taken a class with Heather back in, like, Eight years, like 2010, maybe. I, can't, I don't know the exact year, but it was when you were here in Corville doing a class and you were teaching us about it's okay to be mad and you can kick the kicking box. And I remember I made the kicking box and it revolutionized one of my children in my program that went from tantruming to kicking the kicking box. 
then I started using the kicking box. And I was like, well, if this feels good for me, it's going to feel good for me. <laughs> and so then we can say, wow, you really want to hit? Here, you can chop paper. And we would do like the ninja newspaper chop and all the things that we learned in the workshop with you. And so then it was only natural that when we were going to be in this environment, we were going to take this bigger than just our home program that we would use those exact same philosophies. And so our preschool rooms have a kicking box. And um, Dawn is our respectful education facilitator. Well, wait, is that, a, is that an official title? It is. Oh, that's sweet. That is her real title. <laughs> and so I think, Dawn, maybe you can tell me about what you've been doing. So um, I read this book probably in 2012-2013 and I had an in-home program as well and it completely changed everything my entire approach to children and completely removed all of the stress that I felt in trying to help them learn things <laughs> when it turns out they already know things and I just get to watch it develop and come out of them and so what I do here at the school is I've been practicing the renegade rules and um, and so I can go into the classrooms and see what's happening because a lot of times the teachers don't have a lot of practical experience with it if this, if this is a new philosophy for them. So I can go in and see what's been going on and I can say it looks like the children are experiencing this, why don't we try offering them this option or this option, what do you feel comfortable with because I, I also feel like it's important that the children have their rights valued, but teachers also have to feel comfortable, and it's all baby steps, so we all work together to allow the children more freedom and trust as we go through the days. So that's what, wow. I, what I do with the, with the teachers here. No, that's, that's profound, and I think your, um, your approach is so caring of the adults because, really, the kids will get it. <laughs> we don't have to right. worry too much mm -hmm. about them, but all of the rest of us adults do need the baby steps because it can be hard to switch gears, and it sounds like it wasn't that hard for you to switch gears, but that you have this compassion for your fellow adults who've had some different um, glasses on and they've really been seeing the world one way and you're you're kind of coaching them and encouraging them to take these steps and, and um, try a new way and, and that's that's so important because we do need to respect the adults as they make these things. And I feel, I find that they're more willing to do things that way if we can, if we can ease them into it and it's really fun to see them relax around things that um, you know, it's, I think it's one of the, I can't remember if it's a specific rule, but one of the things that I say with my children and that, that helped so much is what's your plan. And so I use that all the time when I don't feel comfortable with something or I don't understand what the children are doing, then I can ask them that what's your plan. Tell me more about what you're doing. And they can explain what they're doing to me so that then I can say, okay, well, this is not something that I feel comfortable with. But how can we make it so that everybody is safe so that we're making sure that we're respecting people and we're not hurting bodies or the things that we have in our classroom? And so then they can come up with a plan with me, and then we can go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the what's so, your plan thing, that's that's one of Lisa Murphy's uh, mantras. Um, I, I, I'm I, sure heard her, I know that I read it or heard it somewhere, and I can't yeah, remember where that one came yeah, from. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know where she got it. I, um, I, I'm sure she's going to get the tattoo sometimes, sometime because it's, it's, <laughs> such an, it's such an important thing, and, and it, it kind of helps everybody lay, thing out, lay things out and get on the same page as they're moving mm -hmm. forward. Yes, 
Definitely. And it helps a lot with communication because sometimes, you know, even as adults, we have things in our mind that we can see all of the action steps that are it's going to happen, but nobody else does. Mm -hmm. So helping the children also recognize that, oh, okay, you have this idea. We have to share it with the other children so that they can get on board with our idea. Otherwise, we're all just running around screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Which can be fun, but maybe not productive. <laughs> but not all day. <laughs> Then we don't accomplish our plan. <laughs> <laughs> so, Don, you're, you're now sort of a teacher's teacher at the school? A little bit, yes. So I'm also in the preschool classroom for the summer, at least. Um, I was in the infant room. Infants are probably my favorite age to work with, but I also love the preschool room. So um, when we were growing our enrollment, we were having more preschool students enroll at, at this current time than the infant room. So I said, Katie, where do you need me? And she said, why don't you take the second preschool room? <laughs> and I said, okay, let's try it for the summer. Um, and so I'm in there with a co-teacher. And then if anyone is having trouble in their classroom, then I can go into their classroom um, for a day or just a couple of hours or whatever it is that they feel they need mm -hmm. to see what's happening. And that way we can help. We our staff works really well together and it's it's really beautiful that we all have this coachable spirit even if we don't have all of the training or the experience with this philosophy everyone is on board with being respectful mindful and intentional with the children and the way that we approach all of our mm -hmm. school days can you um give us a, an idea or an example of when you had your own program before this and you said things were completely changed and that your stress was reduced by doing some of the it's okay philosophy. What what um, specific things do you remember that just were a relief to let go and not have to force the kids to do anymore? Sure. So my favorite story is actually, it has to do with language. Um, when I find the kids really like to say words that adults find uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> Or they like to make noises that can really push buttons. And so after I read that chapter in this book, I thought, well, I'm going to try it. So I, I'm going to set up some safe spaces in my home and we'll see how that works. So we decided that the table where everybody would sit to eat in the kitchen, that was a safe space. And so you could say anything that you wanted to. Um, you can make any noises that you needed to, or you can ask any questions. And we would have a conversation about that so that everybody could be involved. And that was, that was safe. And then the other place was the bathroom because that way you can have some privacy and you could go into the bathroom and use that space as long as you needed to, to say whatever you wanted. And so when I, when the children in my home program were experimenting with language and I would say, oh, that's a word that. I think that makes some people uncomfortable to say, why don't you go into the bathroom and you can say it as loud as you want and as long as you want. And then when you're finished, you can come out and keep playing with us. And so they did. And, as, and it was amazing to me how quickly they got over that word. They, they went in and they said it and they, they knew that they had control over that. And then they came back in the space and I, I can't remember hearing that word again. I mean, we almost didn't even need to remind them that the bathroom was the place to do that. Or if the kids are practicing, like they, sometimes they like to spit. And so they're blowing raspberries at their friends or something. And then I can say, 
that's not something this friend wants to experience right now. Why don't you go and do it into the sink so that that's a safe place for you to do it and you can still feel all of those things that you need to work through, but it's not bothering the other people in the room. And so then the kids, they know that when they need to do that, they can just go over there. They don't need to come and tell me what they're doing. They can just do it on their own. And I feel like that gives them a lot of freedom and autonomy and trusting them to make those choices for themselves. I found wow. that for me, the big thing that I got out of that book is the replacement, offering what they can do, what the thing that they're able to do is. And so, you know, we have kids from babies all the way through sixth grade here. And I'm noticing with our elementary students who are enrolling, they go and the, some of the staff, they're going through this period of like releasing, like releasing the pressure on them to perform and releasing the, oh, well, I can't do that and I can't do that. And so just constantly modeling for them oh, you're showing me that you would like to whatever, and here's where you can do that. And now with the language thing, we, we did that in my home program too because I would always say, oh, don't say that, oh, don't say that, oh, don't. And then I read the book and I was like, oh, you can say that in the bathroom. And so then you know, I had a bunch of three-year-olds whispering like, oh, in the bathroom over and over again <laughs> and other stronger maybe words. Um, but then when we moved in this building, we cut the bathroom doors off. So oh, then we had uh -oh. to pick a new limit. We, had, right. we cut the doors in half so we could still see them for safety and then we put like uh -huh. little fake flowers at the top so it still made like a place where they could use the bathroom but we could also see them because you know when you're out of your home there's other rules and the state has other regulations yeah so then we had to set a new limit of you can go in the bathroom and then whisper it because we had one friend who was screaming the same word oh. from the bathroom and so it just the book i think gave me permission to set limits and hold limits and the proof that when you do it it really works because it does it really people are, oh they can just do whatever they want no they can't because here's the limits what we're comfortable with and inside of those limits they can do what they want and it's like this I see it as like holding this kind of sacred bubble of space for the kids and inside this bubble you can do whatever your body needs to do and, and we trust you but then we're holding this outside space to kind of buffer you from the outside world is how I see it the biggest thing though the book changed for me was gunplay mm. I was so uncomfortable with gunplay. I mean, the gun toast guns, whoo, <laughs> that was a fun pusher for me and my parents and my family and everybody. Well, I started to realize that, you know, the news might be on at somebody's house in the background in the morning or they hear NPR or they hear something and it's talking about guns. And it just really made me realize that this is letting them work through that. And yeah, it might make some people uncomfortable, but I'm more uncomfortable with sending a child into the world that is not emotionally solid that's more uncomfortable than somebody else being uncomfortable with them playing and so letting them do it but of course setting healthy boundaries you have to make sure everyone's okay with it that is in your game and um things like that and then the other thing is that i really like this i can see the text in the book in my head for some reason it just burned an image in my mind of explaining to your own child about how some people outside of our house don't understand this part or it might make them uncomfortable so we're going to play it in this place in this place and that created this whole new Thing for me this revolution of I can let them do that and then I can also explain to them that we have to go out into the world that doesn't get this yet and how can we make that balance that I don't know why I couldn't figure that out on my own but I read that and I was like light bulb so that was really <laughs> powerful you know I think it's powerful to kids too because it makes them feel smart because they can get it and they're three years old that and they almost pity the other people around them that don't understand that you know, the toy weapon is okay. It, it, it gives them a boost of ego somehow to realize that they are some superior being that, that can understand this distinction. Yeah, so true. <laughs> hey, hey Kate, Katie and Patricia, can I, can I take a moment and praise you? <laughs> of course, anytime. 
Well, here's the thing. I, I think a lot of people, when confronted with many of the things Heather has in in those two books and some of the stuff, I throw it out on the interwebs. People get go into defense mode. They go into protective mode, and and they're they have a hard time opening up to new ideas and new approaches. And from what I'm hearing, uh, the two of you have have created this this practice, this professional practice of embracing those things. Has it always been that? Uh-oh. Has it always been like that for you, or is that something that, that evolved over time in your in your professional trajectory, or, or how did you get to that point? Are you just awesome? Well, yes, you're so awesome. <laughs> But um, something shifted for me in when I started using the approach of what's the unmet need. Mm -hmm. So then I'm talking to a parent who is maybe uncomfortable with one of these things, or I'm talking to an investor or a city council member or someone who needs an explanation. I mean, some people I feel like don't need an explanation. Just come either join our mission or see you later. But the people <laughs> that need an explanation... I always try to find within them what's the unmet need because we're finding what's the unmet need with the kids. So I will listen to a parent talk and say, oh, I'm hearing you say this makes you really uncomfortable because you're worried about and just filling in those words for them that it's hard for them to say. Mm -hmm. And then they feel heard. They feel like, oh, someone really cares about my opinion. And then I'll say, and here's how we're going to help your child with this skill and just making it about their child, making it about them rather than about me. Um, but it's not, it hasn't always been like that. I think it's until I started to figure out what's the unmet need with myself, that was step one, then being able to figure it out um, people in my family then in my home program, now in my staff and the whole bucket concept, like how full are people's buckets? When I have somebody come in my office with an empty bucket and talking to me about their child, I mean, usually the first thing that happens is there's tears because mm -hmm. they're just spent. And so we have to figure out, tell me all of the things that are great about your child. Tell me. At what they're good at, why you love them, why you want this for them, and, and kind of helping build that up and then being able to say, so then I hear you saying that you're still worried about this. And so it's an art, I have to say. And I tell the teachers that every day and all of our staff, like, this is an art. And so be gentle and patient with yourself because we're going to make errors and we're going to make mistakes. And I am totally not there. I mean, this is, I see this as a huge learning curve. And I feel like I'm at, you know, the little kid sitting at the bottom of the mountain, like squinting, trying to see the prize at the top. And, Every day, like, figuring out another step, but by no means being there. Yeah. I think that's so true about recognizing the things that you that you needed that kind of helped spur this on. So I started this journey when my fourth child was born. And I joke with people all the time that it took me four children before I finally <laughs> got on the path. <laughs> um, so I don't feel like I'm... Um, had this all knocked out when I very first started. But when I, when my fourth child was born, we'd had, I was raised in a very much of your role is to obey the authority. And mm -hmm. so all of the other people are the ones who know everything and you do what you're told, which worked really well for me because I, I like that type of structure, or at least I did back then, everything I could remember. I, I really fit in at school. It all worked really well, but as I had my own children, especially my second child, that did not work for him at all. And we were constantly butting heads and trying. I read so many different parenting books of, you know, your strong-willed child or 
one, two, three magic and all of these things to try to gimmick him into doing what we thought he was supposed to be doing. But then when my fourth child was born, I'd started my in-home program, and that's when I was introduced to Janet Lansbury Mm -hmm. and the whole approach of respectful and peaceful parenting. And that clicked beautifully in my brain and with my baby. And I, I can remember he was 18 months old, and he loved to climb. I could not stop him from climbing. He climbed everything. And he would climb up our, he would climb up into the chair and then he would climb onto the back of the chair into our bay window that was up really high. It's probably three and a half feet from the floor. And he would climb up there and he would stand in the window and look out at the cars. And I was constantly trying, you know, don't climb on the chair. Don't climb up there. It's not safe. We can't do this. And then I thought, Clearly, he has to do this. It's like this. He can't not do it. And so I thought, okay, what does what have I read? I, okay, so this is what he's showing me he needs to do. How can I make this so that I feel confident in him and I can trust him? So I told him, I said, okay, if you're going to climb into the window, you can, but you have to come and get me first. And I have to come and stand next to the window. And he did. <laughs> He did, and it was amazing to me. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is beautiful because I can trust that he will come and get me, and he can trust me that I will be next to him as he does this. And then he would do it, and I don't know how long that phase lasted. It didn't. It doesn't seem like it lasted nearly as long as the fighting him <laughs> to yeah. stop yeah. lasted. And so that, I think, is just where I started to then – then I read this – that it's okay not to share. And I started implementing this with my preschooler and with my older son who we'd had so many troubles with. He was in kindergarten or first grade at the time. And I thought, wow, I can, I can repair that relationship and start to use these tools with my older children. It's not that I missed it. I, I think I felt, oh my gosh, I messed it all up when I first had them because I didn't know any of this. And I refuse to accept that. I refuse to believe that you can't start where you are today and make a change and move forward day by day and just say, oh, man, I really made a mistake with this. I'm really trying. Let's let's try that again. And you repair those relationships and you authentically apologize and make amends and move forward. And children really respect that because they then do that. My children have very authentic apologies because they've experienced those things. And I think it's just, they're very, uh, they still amaze me with what they say and do. And my son did something the other day and he said, yeah, because I'm a really brave man. He's six now. And I was like, how does he know he's a brave man? (laughs) But he's had the opportunity to practice that. To practice being brave. Yeah. And it's just really fun to see. And I think there's so much joy that comes from that. It can definitely be a challenge. I mean, children are much easier if they obey and do what you tell them to do. It it makes for a much easier to maintain day, but the joy is missing. And so it's a lot more fun to have that joy and work through those challenges. Speaking of obeying and doing what you're told, um, I'd like to, I, I got a question about that involving parents. Can we pause here and start another episode? And, uh, and, and come back with that. I've got tons of questions for the two of you, and I'm sure Heather's got some too. 
Um, let's wrap this up. Uh, listeners, this is one of the great things about being a podcast host. In three minutes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know what happens next. You have to wait a week. This... <laughs> This has been Renegade Rules. We'll be back in a week for you in 30 seconds for me with another episode. Bye-bye. Everybody say bye-bye. Bye. And... Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.